0: Never seen me in the street too much, but on the inside, I'm outside all the time. All the time. Try stay away from electric shock. That electric shock, I'm outside, I'm outside.
1: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to Tuesday edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. I am Scott Reynolds from Pewterreport.com. Along with me to talk about Bucks linebackers, outside linebackers, inside linebackers, is one of our inside guys, Matt Matera. Fresh off a return trip from the Senior Bowl, Matt, how was it in Mobile out there?
0: Oh, I absolutely loved it. It was an awesome time going there with, with John and, and Casey, and uh, we met some really cool people. Got to see for the first time in a long time our alumni, Trevor Sikkema. Got to see That's him right. in person. I'd been talking to Trevor, but to see him in person was really great. And uh, a lot of great uh, players, prospects, everyone that we were looking at. It was a very fun time. Forget the weather. It doesn't matter. We were there to watch football, and that's what we accomplished. And I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast and the stories that we put out there. But it was um, really – it was an excellent time. I really had so much fun.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, I, I would have loved to have made it, but I had COVID, so I couldn't go. So Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah. We missed mile. you.
0: We missed you well, for sure. You know, we had all that room Moby. at the Airbnb. We right. definitely missed you there. So,
1: yeah. I, I, lo- I love going to Mobile. I love the barbecue there. And, of course, watching uh, football, right? So, um, it's one thing to go to the combine and watch all of the testing and the guys running around in their underwear. But it's another thing when the pads come on and you actually see – some football there. And uh here it is February. You know, we are we are a year and a day after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. been a, a year and a day, and it's crazy to think. And I wrote about this in a in a reflection piece about the Super Bowl uh on yesterday on PeterReport.com. That the, the Bucks coaching staff is still pretty much intact. I mean, it Byron Leftwich, we kind of thought that. He would get that Jacksonville job. I I think he was the front runner. If he would have maybe opted to work with Trent Baalke, he would have been the head coach, but probably a good move because Baalke doesn't have a great reputation. Um, Todd Bowles had plenty of interviews, right? I mean, Minnesota, Las Vegas, Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, Jacksonville, and he didn't get a job either. So the Bucs retained both their coordinators, but today there was some news, and apparently it's being finalized right now, the the Bucks will lose Mike Caldwell, their linebackers coach, inside linebackers coach. So it's very fitting today that we're talking about linebackers, Matt. And uh, Mike Caldwell is, uh, is a, a player who played – he played for 11 years in the league. Some of that time was in Philadelphia with the Eagles. And Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback there. And then those guys spent one year together – as players on the same team, then both worked on Andy Reed's staff in Philadelphia, got to know each other quite well, became friends. And that's just how this works, right? You get the connections in, in this league and, and uh, coaches like familiarity. So Doug Peterson is going to be hiring Caldwell to be the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars. So
0: right. That's the and news there. Scott, it's absolutely crazy as you just lined it out that like go after this season, although the Bucks did not win the Super Bowl, they still had a margin of success. You know, won yep. the the division for the first time in a decade, franchise career best in wins. If you were were to put money on like which defensive or which coach in general is going to leave, I don't think anyone really would have had Mike Caldwell as the <sighs> the first guy off the board. I mean, remember too, a lot of the conversation, especially that you and John were having on this podcast was. Right. If Byron Leftwich leaves, what's the power struggle going to be between coaches on the Bucks' coaching staff who will leave for Jacksonville That's and right. who will stay in Tampa Bay? And now going to the season, while it obviously hurts losing a coach like Mike Caldwell, especially at a position that we'll be talking about today that is super important for this team, uh, outside of Caldwell, the whole coaching staff is there. So there's still yeah. a lot of optimism to have there. Uh, with the Bucks, as long as they find a quarterback. But we have months and months to talk about that.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And and I think the thing too is is when you look at at uh, at, at the the linebacker position, it's interesting now, right? Because with with Mike Caldwell uh, departing to, to Jacksonville, and and this this is a a coach that that has waited a long time to become a defensive coordinator. He went with Todd Bowles from the Arizona coaching staff to the Jets mm-hmm. to become the assistant head coach in New York, but Casey Rogers, the defensive line coach, was the defensive coordinator under Todd Bowles. So it's a thing where Bowles really held Caldwell in high regard. And I think if Bowles, if, if Bowles had left to get a head coaching job, I think Caldwell would have gone with him to become a defensive coordinator. I think Casey Rogers would had a shot with to. the Jets, right? They mm-hmm. probably would have switched spots. I think Rogers, who is longtime friends with Bowles, would have been the assistant head coach and Caldwell would have been the defensive coordinator. So I, I think that's probably what it would have happened. So Caldwell was kind of in demand. And again, it's who, you know, right. And Doug Peterson's a big ally. So it does create a, an opening now on the Bucks coaching staff, right. For who's going to be the, the inside linebackers coach. It's interesting to note that James and we'll be writing about this on PeterReport.com after the podcast. Uh, Betcher is—he uh, is the 49ers uh, defensive assistant. He is like a, a run game specialist, so he's not a full-fledged coach, but he is a an assistant on the 49ers staff. And so I right. believe that that he he reunited with Bruce Arians. He was the outside linebackers coach for years in arizona actually in 2013 and 2014 then when todd bowles left to become the jets coach then betcher was elevated to the role of defensive coordinator for the cardinals so this is one of bruce's guys and i think that betcher is going to get the the call to come to tampa and i believe betcher will will be on this staff don't know that to be fact i'm i'm Right, using because, some educated guessing here, but it makes sense. My
0: only yes, yeah, cuz my only question is is I think he's still under contract with with the 49ers. So the only thing I'm not sure about is that he wouldn't be leaving the 49ers to become the you know, the defensive coordinator for the bucks because right. Todd Bowles is obviously has that position. So I'm not exactly sure how it works if if he could just, you know, we, you see it all the time in college football coaches just jump ship and go everywhere. Um right. but as far as like assistant coaches, you don't see it as much, but clearly to learn or to be in the coaching tree and the staff of, of Bruce Arians, I think almost yep. any coach uh, across the league, there's only so many, you got the right. Tomlin coaching tree, you got the Belichick yep. coaching tree and Bruce Arians has his branches spread out across this league as well. Now so he's In the
1: Shanahan's as well. And, and yes. all of that, you know, but, but I I think with, with Betcher because he is a lower level assistant, I, I think that the 49ers would probably allow him unless they want to promote him from within but I think they would allow him to take a position coaching job. That, that's, that's just my guess. We'll see. I, I, I've got some inquiries, haven't heard anything yet, but it might be a thing where Larry Foote, who played linebacker for Pittsburgh back in the day, mm-hmm. maybe he goes to the inside linebacker uh, spot and and coaches Devin White, Levante David, and uh, and then maybe Betcher moves to outside linebackers where he's more familiar, or it might just be a thing where, where Betcher slides in and and deals with the inside linebackers again. He does have coordinator experience. He knows Todd Bowles' system quite well, so it would be a natural fit there. And of course, with when you're the inside linebackers coach, you know you and the defensive coordinator are working with Devin White and uh, Lavonte David, and and getting the calls and and making sure that that uh, and everything is is kosher in terms of of what you're calling and. And what you're seeing out there on the field. So that's that's really the, the big bucks news today was was that particular move there and and we'll see. But but um you know we we went to look at at, uh, at, at the Pro Bowl, right? And um I, I'm with you and John, I think. I don't speak for you, but I mean it's it's a joke of a game,
0: right? Yeah, I mean I think if you go in with ex- expectations of you're not really going to see much, you understand the players aren't going to, to hit each other or anything like that. If you yeah. go in with those expectations, I don't think you're really going to get let down. And that was kind of my thought process going in and watching it. I just wanted to see the Bucks make some fun plays, which they, they did. did. Mike Evans scored and a touchdown. That's right. Antoine and Winfield Jr. with six. not only the pick six, but yeah. again, it was off Patrick Mahomes. And the the fake lateral, which mm-hmm. you know was so much fun to see. So as a consumer right. of the game, I really enjoyed it. I don't think the NFL is really going to change much though, because the ratings were through the roof. Yeah, which was fantastic, and it's they made money. Because I'm I'm an old I man, and I,
1: I remember when it used to actually be a game. Like people would get hurt in the Pro Bowl. Didn't Mike get hurt? <laughs> he did. He suffered yeah. a, a season or a career ending back injury. Ah. Yeah. Drew Brees injured his elbow at the senior bowl or at the senior bowl at the pro bowl, which which really, in in a sense, prompted him to to move on. And,
0: um, you know, Sean Taylor laid out a punter. I mean, uh, it, I mean, that's one of the yeah. greatest plays of all time <laughs> when he it was Brian Mormon, I believe, was the punter yeah. on a fake punt. So, yes, those plays are awesome. The issue is there's no incentive for the NFL to be like, oh, we need to hype up. The, yep. the pro bowl because really everyone watches football yeah. as it is where the nhl they really have to spice it up and, and right. change different things what i well, will say though sorry I, go I, ahead
1: i mustn't say i mentioned the pro bowl and and devin white was a guy looked like he cared
0: out there right he was yes. all over the field
1: right he made Doing a lot of something like and, he made
0: a lot of and i'm putting quotations for anyone listening on audio he made a lot of yeah. tackles in that right. game but yeah like he was moving around he was having. He grabbed fun. the flag matt is what he did yes he's playing flag <laughs> football he grabbed a lot of flags right? <laughs> Yes, he, he absolutely was. But one last thing I want to say about the Pro Bowl is, while they, I don't think they'll change much, if there's anything or anyone that could really start getting a change into more competitiveness, it's when you see guys like Deion Sanders saying, this is BS, like, I, I'm not enjoying watching this. Shannon Sharp has been outspoken about it. Yeah. Pat McAfee tweeted about it saying that it stinks. Eventually, if you get enough public outcry, maybe they'll change it a little bit. I mean, the Giants literally fired their head coach because everyone on Twitter was like... <sighs> <laughs> this guy is not good, um, right. but yeah, we'll get to the linebackers now. As you said, Devin White yeah. was really one of the most hyper energetic guys out there. His his saying is "Get live 45." And yeah. uh, there's another thing that really gets you and I energized for the show. There's Scott. no doubt about it, Matt.
1: And and that's that's Celsius, right? It's it's uh, it's the tasty beverage that comes in a lot of flavors. What are you rocking there today, Matt? I'm rocking
0: the uh, the jackfruit. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been orange, on that kick which- lately
1: one of my go-to uh, favorites. I can't really drink orange juice anymore because I got this acid reflux problem that messed up my voice last summer. And um, so I'm getting old and I really can't have all that that citric acid, but I love the the taste of orange juice and so I kind of get it in, in Celsius. And Matt, that's one of the great things about Celsius. Not only does it have no sugar, no preservatives, it's packed with flavor. Yes. And you know what I did? I went ahead and I, I purchased... The variety pack. I haven't done that in a long time, right? And I've got a cola flavor that I'm going to have tomorrow. Uh, I've been had it in, in a long time, and, and trust me, it tastes just like cola. I'm not going to name any brand names, but it tastes just like that. I had grape the other day. Uh, Fuji apple, pear, one of my favorites. The mm-hmm. the strawberry uh, guava. You know that's that's an amazing flavor. And the great thing about that right now is, if you're listening to this podcast, and we'll have some of this on social media here too. Celsius is doing a giveaway for Valentine's Day for our Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers. And all you have to do is go to celsius.com backslash pewter v day. That's Valentine's Day. Pewter v day. So celsius.com backslash pewter v day. And that link is in the description below. So you can check that out. All you have to do is enter your name and email address. That's it. That's it. Enter your name and email address. And they're going to pick five winners, and you're going to get a free case of strawberry guava, free. And uh, we'll draw those names on on Valentine's Day, which is next Monday. So it's going to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, make sure you check it out. I mean, Scott, there is Celsius. And you, like everywhere I go, Walmart, the local bodega right next to me, any of the gas stations, Celsius is all over the place. So yeah. I love that it's spreading so much. We love when the fans tweet us, tweeting us, the you know, their favorite flavor. I personally like the orange, my favorite, because it tastes exactly like orange. The, <laughs> as you said, the, the flavors, all the different flavors that you just mentioned. There is no other energy drink that are competitors or whatever you want to say that have that distinct flavor that you don't even need to think twice. We should That's do a right. blindfold test one day where we're like, Oh, yeah. like this is kiwi guava. This is such and such because yeah. it, it's really uncanny. So thank you to Celsius for being the sponsor. I've Absolutely. enjoyed it. Gratefully.
1: Yep. Good doubt about it. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit of about uh, the bucks linebackers, Matt, when you, when you look at, at, uh, you know Tampa Bay's linebackers, right? I mean, Levante David is is uh, still getting the job done. I mean, he's he's had a phenomenal career in Tampa, and and really didn't show much signs of slowing down. I, I don't think. I I thought he had a a very good season in in Tampa Bay last year. Uh, he's not the the guy that's going to lead the Bucks in tackles anymore, right? He's not that guy that is going to. Uh, get 140 tackles, um, you know, in a season. That, that that's not really what he's schemed to do. This particular defense, this side Bulls defense, as that kind of weak side inside linebacker. Um, that's that's Devin White's role right now, and that's why you saw Devin White wanting and lead the team in tackles. He had
0: 128. Levante had 97. Now Levante missed so some cl- games, right? Scott, so close to 100 tackles after missing all those mm-hmm. games. I believe he only played in 12. That was the yeah. first time Levante David did not reach 100 tackles since I believe I was looking it up before. I believe it's 2016 where he where yeah. he got into the 80s. But incredible, he was only three away despite missing so many I games know. this season.
1: <laughs> Missed
0: five <laughs> games, had that that the bad
1: foot injury. Yeah, uh, had a couple sacks. Right, uh, we didn't see. Levante make the plays in coverage this year that I think we've seen in the past. He's usually good for an interception or two in a season. He had three pass breakups, no interceptions this year. Did force two fumbles. That's Levante's style, right? Had a, a fumble recovery. Um, but at some point in time, when you look at Levante and there, there's, a you know, he'd signed the extension. There's still some time left on the clock, on his NFL clock. But we saw it this year with Kevin Minter. Now Minter is is a backup player. He's not uh, he's not in Levante's class whatsoever. Right. right. But the thing with with Levante is he's going to start slowing down at some point in time. At some point in time, uh, he's he's going to be a step slow in coverage, a step slow getting to the hole. I don't think it's next year, but I'd love to see this team have a plan in place to get another linebacker on deck. Now they spent two day 3 picks on some special teamers on KJ Britt and mm. on Grant Stewart. Stewart really flashed. He led the team in special teams tackles. He's he's like a wild man out there. Covering kicks is one thing. Um taking on guards and shedding them and trying to to maintain your your gap and and get some run fills, that's another. I'm not sure Stewart or Britt is is a long term answer as a possible replacement for Levante David
0: though. Right. And the key with Levante David as as you just put out there where you know he might start being a a step slow is you want to catch it before it's too late if you right. get what i'm saying you, exactly. you don't want you don't want two seasons from now and you see the patriots do this all the time where they get yeah. rid of richard seymour and they get rid of guys a little bit too early and everyone's like what are you doing and then you see them next season on their new team you're like oh all right yeah that kind of right. made sense and it's tough because Le- levante david obviously is an all-time buck he's a box lifer and you'd really hate to ge- see him go but that's why if you were to bring in – if you were to draft a linebacker in an earlier round, it's almost like that thing – and you might hear people say this all the time. It's like when you have a, an old dog and then you see it slowing down, but then you bring in a puppy and it kind of right. like rejuvenates the, the older dog a little bit. That's right. You could you could see that in Levante David, and I'm not saying Levante David has lost a step yet. The, right. the, the, the big thing though, again, as you mentioned with, uh, with Stewart and Grant, um, obviously Stewart – Everything that he – oh, sorry, Grant Stewart and K.J. Britt. Britt. I said said the same player. Um, Everything that Grant Stewart was doing on special teams, I mean, he's a lock to make this team as far as just the role that he's had. And let's face it, who doesn't love when his hair is flying and and, and he's making those tackles? Britt, I I like his size, but he's a little too slow. Like, I like his physicality. I wish he had the speed and, like, the enthusiasm If you could take Stewart Stewart and Britt and
1: make them into one player, you would have a starting caliber player
0: absolutely the size of
1: Brit and the speed and the tenacity of of Stewart. yeah i totally agree
0: the problem is is we haven't come up with that science yet
1: (laughs) we're not there yet you know we're yeah we're we're working on vaccines and we're working on gene splicing and stuff but we're not there yet so right so what I i think the thing is 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 um you know do you bring Kevin Minter back? I love Minter. I think he's a fantastic locker room guy. He he's a great mentor. He's been a very good mentor uh, to to Devin White having that mm-hmm. LSU connection. Yep. He's been a, a special teams captain. I, I just don't know that see. what what you see on the field from him is is enough. I I don't know that he is he is a, a starting caliber player and what i mean by that is 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 you know when when it's the next man up mentality right when when devin white is out or when levante david is out kevin minter is in and there is a noticeable drop off in terms of athleticism yes. in terms of speed in terms of of you know he he gets targeted in the passing game he just can't make the plays you know, he's 30 now he's not 27 anymore and and i i just think that that they need to have uh, somebody in there that could be a little bit more competent and bring a little bit more athleticism to the field should something happen to David or, or white next year.
0: Right. I, I agree. And the point I was making before about Levante and you want to catch it before he loses a step. I feel like mentor. This was the season where we kind of all saw him play and thought, yes. okay, maybe his time is a little bit done. And you know what? Honestly, if they only had one rookie linebacker last season, I would be inclined to be like, okay, let's bring in Minter for one more year so he can really be uh, you know, that veteran presence, that teacher to whatever linebacker if the Bucs decide to draft the uh, inside linebacker. He could be that teacher, that mentor for him. Obviously, right. Levante and Devin White would be too, but yeah. I think there's something about a backup helping a, a fellow backup that could really help that situation. But again, because Grant Stewart is so great on special teams, you don't necessarily need – kevin minter there in that role anymore right and i think another thing too and this just speaks for the whole bucks team not even the linebacker position but if they again if they were to draft a a young guy bring him in sure it's a bit of a risk to have your backup linebacker outside of levante and devin be two second year linebackers that we kind of both just said isn't necessarily a fit to be an every down inside linebacker and working inside linebacker i think what the bucks do as great as any team out there is that they have guys within the organization because it's such a a tight knit locker room. Mm -hmm. They have players that are willing to help other guys. I mean, we talked about Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin helping Tom Brady when he got here. We talked about the young secondary helping Richard Sherman when Richard Sherman got here. And then when Sherman got hurt, he's helping out. (laughs) Yeah. Him bestowing (laughs) his wisdom on the entire secondary. I think the, I think that type of trait, that type of thing you could bring to the team cannot be overlooked. And that's why I would feel a little bit comfortable, even if Kevin Minter is gone, even though Brit and Stewart have only been there for a year, there's still a lot of wisdom they can bring to that. And obviously mm-hmm. you saw the mentor that Levante was to Devin White. Devin yeah. White can see that and help out who could be his future running mate when Levante David is, is, mm-hmm. uh, decides to finish his career.
1: No, you're exactly right. You know, the, the thing is, is, is they spent, again, Two draft picks on linebackers. I I think that Stewart, I agree with you. I think he's shown enough where he would have to literally bomb in training camp in the preseason to not be at least number 53 on the roster. Right? Mm-hmm. I think he's he is that the, at least the fourth inside linebacker, that special teams ace. But I'd love to see a, another player come in and really challenge Britt, because I, I think Britt. Being, you know, a, such a late day three guy, I, I I don't think he's a lock to make this team. I think he was an okay special teamer, but he wasn't in Stewart's class. And I think that that you know they kept five linebackers this year. They might keep four next year uh, if Minter doesn't return. But to me, I, I there's a couple of, of guys in this draft class that are interesting. And it's not like linebacker is a position that. That is is a pressing need, but again, it's kind of like you want to address it so you're not scrambling if is out and then he decides to retire, hanging up whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is 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 listen, what what, what can I transition into to the Devin White in a second? But I want to talk about a couple of these young guys that I, I kind of been studying a little bit in college, but um, they're going to have to kind of make a decision on on Devin White and. Yes. I know Devin White made the Pro Bowl this year, and I really hope that that kind of energized him. and And I hope he realizes that that he, in my opinion, I don't think he deserved a Pro Bowl season. But I understand that he was an alternate, and there's he's a popular player, et cetera, et cetera. So he ended up making the the Pro Bowl. Sometimes th- that can work against you when you think you've arrived. And I think that Devin, mm-hmm. to a degree, has has maybe uh, encountered that that feeling this year, and I think that's led to some lack of focus or some dip in his play. On the other hand, it might be a thing that just completely energizes him where he says, I want to belong here, and I want this to be the first of many, as he's tweeted out. And maybe that propels him to study even more and to become more of a student of the game and to just become a more consistent player, Matt.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it is funny because – Before the start of this year, we all would have thought, oh, yeah, Devin White, without question, like perennial Pro Bowl player. He's the anchor of this defense. He does everything. And then this year, he took a little bit of a step back. But I don't want to say that the Bucs are at a crossroads because that's not the right word. But the Bucs are in a situation here where, you know, Devin White's going into his fourth year. And I think it's it's fairly obvious they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, regardless if he has a, a season like he just did. Right. Uh This year, I mean, you look at it across the board, uh, 128 tackles, as you mentioned before, that was less than what he had last year. 3.5 right. sacks. Last year, he had nine sacks. He was second right. on the team in sacks and probably would have gotten double digits, but he missed uh, he missed a game or two because he got COVID. So all the stats and, you know, obviously at Peter Report, we're not we, – we don't just look at the stats and that's it. But yeah. he obviously – had some issues where he was taking out his own guys. Like John Ledyard has <laughs> highlighted that multiple times right. where he's taken out his own guys and has struggled in Panthers. He just coverage wasn't shedding like
1: blocks, he, Matt. He just, just yes. wasn't shedding blocks, right? I mean, he was getting blocked way too easily. The Jets game was just awful. right? What, he had two tackles
0: that game or something? Yes, like that? it was, they came it was early.
1: awful. The, the Panthers game before that was, was bad as well. So he had a really, really bad stretch. I mean, he missed Levante David. Uh, in, incredibly. I mean And
0: that's the thing. Levante cleaned up a lot of the mistakes that Devin White had. Yeah. When Levante was in the lineup. And again, two years from now, if Levante's not there, if people if other players aren't going to be able to clean up the mess that Devin White has made unless he can right. keep it a little more compact, that's a issue for the Bucs, regardless of you know, the core players that they have on this team with Vita Vea and hopefully right. Antoine Winfield Jr., um a lot of this the defense starts and stops with the linebacker making those splash plays. It's, so, it's yeah, an important it's, position,
1: and, 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 and again, we're kind of talking about down the road here, right, with Levante, David, you know, going to be 31, and then at some point in time, whether it's 32, 33, 34, at some point in time, he's going to be done. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw it with Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks is greatest linebacker in franchise history. Levante is right behind him. It's it's a sad ending, but usually you play, and then your your play just falls off the cliff. And, and it, that's, that's what it was like for Derek Brooks in, uh, in 2008, it was bad. It was, it was not good. Um, and, and he was, you know, he was cut a lot of Bucks fans were upset about it rightfully so it was right. the right call. He didn't end up getting a sniff anywhere else really. So it happens. And so I just want the Bucks to be prepared for that because these inside linebackers in this defense are critical to stopping the run and, Dropping in coverage, blitzing, etc. They're they're very important pieces, and and the same thing with Devin White. We're talking about uh, the Buccaneers will pick up his fifth year option. Okay, that's fine. He's he's entering year four. Then you've got the the fifth year option, and what are you going to do after that? If this guy does not really become uh, a a much more consistent playmaker, and that's what they drafted him to be, right? That's that's where the fifth overall pick comes in. Is You're not just a tackles guy. You're not just 120 Mm. tackles. No, you need to be a special player. And the thing is, is he's going to want special money. And right now, and I've said this and I I stand by it, I think right now Devin White is a more athletic Juan Alexander, right? I don't think he is in the class of Levante David. I don't think he's in the class of Hardy Nickerson or Derek Brooks. But the thing is, is there's going to come a a situation where he's – at a crossroads, the, the Bucks are at a crossroads. And two years from now, if he doesn't ascend, right? Are you going to want to dump fifteen and it might be twenty million dollars a season into to that guy? I hope they want to because I hope he turns into that yeah. player. But the thing is, Matt, you gotta you 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 gotta line up some some ducks here to where maybe you draft a guy and he either replaces Levante or Devin down the road, right?
0: Um, it's, but, it's, yeah, it's wild to think, but it, could Devin White be gone after five years? It's certainly a possibility. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't bet on it, but I, yeah. it's certainly, hey, there, can't was a, out.
1: there was a time when Quan Alexander made the Pro Bowl. He looked like he was going to be the Bucks middle linebacker for a decade, right? I mean, Jameis Winston, there were times where you thought this was the franchise quarterback, right? Um, and well, it's just, it's funny how things happen, right? I mean, exactly,
0: Scott. And that's what I was going to say is, you know, everyone always says that, you know, middle linebacker, inside linebacker is the quarterback of defense. And that's true. But when you look at it as a uh, setting up the future, finding like the next guy, I, I do find similarities to it as well. Obviously you need a quarterback if you want to, if you want to win in this league. But when you look at the box with linebacker specifically, it's like, all the best linebackers kind of like all the best quarterbacks they don't get to free agency because you right. sign them to a long-term extension beforehand if they're really good enough you don't even need to think twice about it they're going to be on this team for a very long time if not you know o- over a decade and right now we're seeing Devin White and he's got 2 years to change narrative so let's let's keep that in mind as well too but right now Devin White he's running into that situation and I, I don't want to give a direct comparison to quarterback because people would flip out mm-hmm. but Devin white's good but he's not good enough to deserve right. all that money but he's not bad enough where you don't want right. to cut him out right you know it's almost like a Baker mayfield like again I don't more. want to, I don't are want to, right? I don't want to compare because people can be like are you comparing Devin white to Baker mayfield yeah I'm not but in terms of the situation of you're good but you're not good enough but you're not too bad to get rid right. of you it's a very you're jumping through hoops here, but that's essentially where the pucks find themselves.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, and listen, it's up to Devin and it's up to the new inside linebackers coach to to get him on the track. And hopefully the Pro Bowl, this 14 flag pulls in the <laughs> supposed sack and air quotes of, uh, of Mac Jones is, is going to springboard him into a 2022 season that we hoped he would have had from. The Super Bowl springboarding him into a, a really yeah. productive 2021 season. I just don't think that he had a Pro Bowl season. Uh, long lost leisure with a good comment. Devin White should be Micah Parsons. And the, and the thing is, is, Micah Parsons is a force, right? He is a yes. force on the in field. In multiple
0: ways, not just a yes. pass rusher. But right. people look at him as that. But that's not the case.
1: Yep. Um, okay, so let, let's address the elephant in the room here, right? I know this is about inside and outside linebackers. It's just difficult to think that no one knows – the most important position. And uh, I, I'll say this real quick. Yes, there was comments made by Tom Brady. I just got through watching Man in the <laughs> Arena last night of all, of all things. I watched nice. the, the last uh, uh, show. What, what a fantastic episode. What a fantastic series that is. That's so well done. I can't wait to see the ones on Tampa Bay. You know they're yeah. coming, right? Those are really going to be good. Um, I know Brady said never say never. Um, I don't think Tom Brady's coming back. I, and there's nobody at, at uh, the team headquarters that that feels that either. They feel that he's done. It's just a, I think it's just a, a a thing where he loves football so much. He he doesn't want to permanently close the door. But I don't I don't think he is going to be going for the door anytime soon. I think he is in that chair resting, enjoying his family. I don't see that changing.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, one of the things that makes Tom Brady the goat, the goat is his preparation. Yeah. You know, so he's not just going to, all of a sudden, I believe his birthday is in August. I think it's already during training camp, but say it's yeah. early August. He's like, you know what? All of a sudden I kind of feel like playing. Let me call Jason light. And yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get this thing going again. Tom yeah. Brady's all about preparation. It's why he's the, the greatest quarterback of all time. It, it, it's why he's the goat. And there's also a blueprint too. I think, you know, I think it's important to learn from just the whole situation that was is years ago, but like Brett Favre retiring, unretiring, going to the jets, retiring, going to the Vikings. I, I don't think quarterbacks, especially hall of fame quarterbacks want to be in that type of scenario again. So I think he learned from something right. like that and says, you know, that that's not for me. You
1: know, I'm with you on that. Um, so, okay. So we've spent some time talking about uh, some, some of, of the the needs and inside linebacker i, I don't know if they're gonna if they will go out and get a, a veteran free agent it made sense with Minter because he knows todd Bowles's right. system I, i'm not sure there's a glaring guy out there that's worth investing in and the thing is 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 you know you, you you're gonna want to pay whoever to come in if you're gonna pay a free agent really cheap money i mean let's let's not forget kevin right. Minter. Was on the veteran minimum, so one hundred
0: percent. So yeah, I looked it up, Scott. Here's the the top linebackers uh, per PFF: uh, Devondre Campbell, Dante Hightower, uh, Foyasade Olukin. I, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that, but yeah. from uh, San the Fran, Atlantic. and um, I,
1: I, I like him. The the, the thing is, is, is when when you look at at the names that you're mentioning, those are those are expensive guys. Yes, they're, they're, they're actually they're in at,
0: yeah, they're averaging him at ten million. So there's right. a couple of guys, Alexander Johnson, Leighton Van Der Esch, even those guys are at you know eight point five. The cheapest one they have on here is Kaiser White, who's at four point yep. seven five per right. million per season, which is yep. still out of the That's puck's right. price range. Exactly. So yeah, free agent inside linebacker, not really happening this yeah. year unless it's I, very, I, very on the cheap. I, I
1: think if if they're going to to you know to address the position and maybe they just ride with, with Britton Stewart and just say, we're going to develop these guys and we'll address the position, kick yeah. the can down the road. And they, and they might do that. There are, there are a couple guys that that I think are Bucks fits that maybe Bucks fans should keep an eye on. One of the guys was, was somebody that you saw at the Senior Bowl, right? And uh, I know that Georgia's got a lot of, of players coming out in this year's draft, but Channing Tindall is a player that really kind of flies under the radar. He's not one of the quote unquote name guys uh, like a Trayvon Walker or Jordan Davis, you know, or Lewis sign. Uh, but he, he's a, he's a fast linebacker. And when you're talking about bucks linebackers, it's speed, speed, speed. six, yep. two, 230 pounds. The, the best thing about Tyndall was it really, and I and think with Georgia that makes Georgia a little tough to kind of evaluate because they're is, all great. <laughs> yes, well, they are, but they and, and the reason why they're all great is because they have so many great players, right? I mean, uh, believe it or not, Jordan Davis and John and I were talking about this. I, I think I think Jordan Davis was the third best defensive tackle in Georgia last year, in my opinion, and and I would put Devontae Wyatt at two, and I think uh, Carter um, is number eighty eight is is the best, and he's a sophomore. He he's not eligible to come out, but I think he's the best one. But the thing is, is they rotate so many guys at linebacker, a defensive line that none of these guys really play a full game. And so Channing Tindall is a player that that really didn't play, which you would say starter role, until this past season. But 63 tackles. He only missed five tackles, which is stunning for a linebacker. That's a very low number.
0: Music to Todd Bowles' ears.
1: Yes, right? I mean, (laughs) because that that was a problem. Uh, And not just the the secondary, but it was at, at the linebacker level, too. Devin White missed his share. But this was a consistent player. Looked at his pro football focus grades, 81.9 in coverage, 81.5 pass rush grade, 73.7 run defense grade. Those are those are fantastic grades. And it's it's hard to find a linebacker that can really do all three well. And again, that's what the Bucks want to see from their linebackers. You gotta be able to blitz, gotta be able to cover, gotta be able to stuff the run. And he had sixty-seven tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in a forced fumble last year. And I think this is a player that that if if you're sticking true to your board, Matt, and if you are, you know, if if you're making the conscious effort to uh, to stay on your board. And if if he happens to be there, maybe in the third round and he's the highest rated player, you might pull the trigger on this guy. He's that good.
0: Yeah, Scott, that's a that's a great find by you. And, you know, I'll admit I was looking at a lot of guys there. I'm not going to. Come out here and say Tyndall was really a guy that like stood out to me, but everything you just laid out clearly makes him suitable. That consistency more than anything else. Like yeah. the Bucks would absolutely love to have someone like that. There were two other linebackers though at the Senior Bowl that that stood out to me, and one guy you're very high on, so I know he's a he's a fit for the Bucks. And another guy I I just really loved his uh you know his relentlessness, his pursuit of the ball. That's um Troy Anderson. I thought it was great yeah. the whole week um his last year of college football he Montana had,
1: State
0: Montana State he had 100 I believe 147 tackles or 148 yeah. tackles in his last year of football listen I don't care what conference you're in I don't care if it's the Big 12 the Pac-10 the NCAA or the YMCA it doesn't matter if you're making that <laughs> many tackles in a season like you're on point and obviously the practice is more important than the game and I just thought the way he would go from sideline to sideline, pitches to the outside. He'd be one of yeah. the first guys there. Um, just that pursuit of the ball, uh, I always enjoy in a player. And I felt, too, in the Senior Bowl itself, you heard his name a bunch of times. Right. And don't get me wrong. Every player there is there to make an impact, to impress the scouts, the GMs, everyone watching. Yep. But even on top of that, there were some guys that it just looked like they wanted it a little bit more. And I would yep. put Troy Anderson uh, in that category. Another guy, too. He heard his name a lot during the senior bowl uh, was Chad Muma from Wyoming. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. Again, I just, I just thought for me, obviously the key, especially if you're going to play in a Bucks defense is the speed, which you've already talked about and the vision. And I just felt he was one of those guys. Again, he could go from sideline to sideline, very active in many plays, but he knew where the play was going and he could get there again, pitches to the outside. One of the first guys there. So those are really two linebackers that, that stood out to me at the senior bowl.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I think, again, um, I, I'm not saying that this team is going into this draft saying we have to have uh, an, an inside linebacker. I'm not saying that at all because you've got two starters, right, and they're under contract for the next couple of years. It's not an immediate need. But you do need to to think down the road. It, maybe, maybe they bring back Mentor, right, and see if he yeah. has some juice left for training camp. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to bring him back in a one-year deal. But I'm just saying, since we're talking about the position, don't be surprised if if they maybe try to upgrade a a little bit over Britt because I don't think there's a clear cut number three linebacker on this team. I think it's you've got your starters, and then you've got kind of like a missing spot on the depth chart. Then you've got really your number four and five linebackers and Stewart and, and Britt, uh, a couple two other players. Th- these are um, uh, Darian Butler uh, was supposed to be. I'm sorry, not Dar- Darian Butler. Uh, Terrell Bernard. From Baylor was supposed to be at the senior bowl and yeah. d- didn't didn't end up making it. I, I'm assuming it's an injury or something, but he right, was, it was the a
0: hamstring, I believe. Yeah.
1: He was the MVP of the bowl game, the bowl win over Ole Miss. And uh, I watch a lot of Big Twelve football being a Kansas State guy. Uh don't like Baylor, but, <laughs> but, but they got some good players on defense. Jalen
0: Petrie, this Petrie was great this week during the senior bowl and in the game too. think scott cut out i'm not sure or maybe i cut out oh okay i guess you guys can hear me um uh, just wanted to make sure from that scott will be back soon i think he cut out yesterday as well too so i will keep the show going we will get to uh the we still got outside linebacks to talk about too which is great so we still got <laughs> we still got a whole show to talk about with that. But um, yeah, the senior bowl, and I'm curious to see who Scott was about to talk about. But Jalen Petrie, I really thought the the Baylor guys really stepped it up in the senior bowl. Jalen Petrie was all over the place. He was getting stops up at the front. He had pinpoint extremely tight coverage as um as the game was going on or as, as the practice week was going on, too. So Petrie is a guy, I, I don't necessarily think he's gonna go to the Bucs, but you yeah. know, if you're a fan of football. He's going to be great. All right, we got Scott back here back. with us. Yeah, unfortunately,
1: back. we're having some rain over here in Tampa, and I think yeah. that's messing with my internet signal. So, so yeah, I heard what you were saying about Petrie. Very good player. I, I think he's kind of a Bucks fit as well. Uh, Darian Butler's the last guy we'll talk about. Then we'll get to the outside linebackers. Um, this is probably a day three guy that would come in and compete with, with Britt as a special teams role. Again, you're looking for kind of a certain body type, speed, coverage ability, ability to – to rush the quarterback. Um, He had some missed tackle issues as well. You're not getting a perfect product on day three, Uh, 54 tackles. He missed 20 according to pro football focus. So you can teach tackling. That is something that if you have the want to and the good technique, you can become a better tackler. But this is a very good uh, coverage guy, even better than Bernard who had three interceptions last year at Baylor. Uh, For Arizona State, uh, Darian Butler had, uh, an eighty-seven point seven coverage grade, Matt. That's that's better than some defensive backs. He had four career sacks, two last year, three interceptions last season, three pass breakups, three forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries. He's around the ball. He's a he's a playmaker for the Sun Devils, and um, I think he's he's a player that could be on the Bucks' radar on day three.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. I, I the beauty of this all is that the Bucks have a couple of different options. Yeah. Whether it's that inside linebacker or uh, outside linebacker, which we'll, which we'll get to in a second. But um, I think that's fun. It, like in a couple of years, you know, when the Bucks went to go draft Evan White, we kind of knew it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. This year, it's all over the place. What like the first three to four rounds? You know, will they go wide receiver? Will they pick a yes. running back in the third round? There's so many different options, which again, we haven't really seen in the past couple of years. And I think that makes the draft way more fun than it has been.
1: Yeah, it most certainly does, and because uh, last year even, I mean, we nailed the the draft pick of Joe. Well, you always get at
0: least one Bucks fans. Well, we try. SR's best bets. I mean, it's it's uh, no one's automatic, but you are as close as it, it really gets to it. So yeah. I'm excited to see what you got.
1: Uh, I this appreciate year that. Us. We got the first two last year, Kyle Trask, and in our mock, and uh, and number two, also a Bucks best bet at quarterback. We'll we'll see this year, like you said, Matt. It's a little. A little it's concerning tougher. because it's tough.
0: it's tough for sledding this year. Yeah, but they, you know. they could
1: go in a lot of different directions. That's why we're covering a lot of bases here. Um, but listen folks, if you want to have your your bases covered from a financial standpoint, uh you need to do that with our friends over at Immuni Financial.
0: At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. You we're so happy. Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's your treating you? Oh, just fantastic! I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track, so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today.
1: A Muni Financial, plan ahead, stay ahead. Uh, Matt, we got to get to Colorado, man. Managing your your family's wealth means more to a Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage. In advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services with over 40 years of experience. Do what I did. Let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Do what I did, folks. Call Immuni, talk to David, talk to Mark at 1 800 868 6864. It's a free, no risk, no obligation consultation where they'll take a look at your finances, make some suggestions and then to set you up with some services to uh, to help you make more money with your own money, or save money if you need to do that for your college kids, uh, savings accounts, et cetera. Make sure you visit immuni.com on the web, amuni.com. All right, Matt, so let's, let's get to a, a position that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I love pass rushers. I love defensive line. We're talking about outside linebackers here in Tampa, of course. And, uh, you know, the Buccaneers, they've, they've they've got a guy in Shaq Barrett uh, who is, uh, I, I think, still one of, of the, the more premier pass rushers in this league. Uh, there were a couple of games this year where he was little invisible, but I think, by and large, he kind of rebounded, had a 10-sack season, had the big interception versus um, the Eagles the, in the playoffs. Yeah, and and also had one against the Falcons too. So he had yes. two interceptions. Kind of pulled a JPP there. Um <laughs> but but I I think that that Barrett is a player that that um th- that I think can benefit from playing on the right side. And I, I know that Jason Pierre-Paul liked to occupy the right side. JPP is going to be a free agent and uh let's let's start with with those two guys first. Um, I, I think Shaq Barrett is still got plenty of juice left in the tank, and I'd like to see Joe Tryon Shoinka play opposite him. But what are your thoughts on Jason Pierre-Paul possibly coming back, Matt? Should they re-sign him? He's 33 years old, right? And have a rotator cuff surgery, had knee surgery last off season, had neck surgery the year before. How yeah, much he used this guy have left in
0: the tent? right. He he can't really stay healthy now, and I'm I'm curious how he would look after getting a rotator cuff surgery because you could clearly tell it bothered him all season long, and he missed a number of games because of it. He still toughed it out and and played a, a majority of the season, but <clears throat> I will say even with a quote unquote healthy JPP after uh, a rotator cuff injury, the reason that I would lean towards not re-signing JPP more than anything else is I don't want it to stunt the growth of Joe Tryon Shoyanka. I agree. JTS had enough playing time this year where he had four sacks. He missed a number of other ones where he could have maybe doubled it or at least got to six yep. on the year. He's got enough. He's he's bitten off enough of the sandwich where it's like, all right, now I want the whole thing. We've yep. seen him enough as a starter or in significant playing time where I think we're confident enough that he can play an entire game. Yep. I want to see how much growth JTS can get. How much more can he develop from playing a full season knowing he's a starter and not having to worry about, oh, well I'm going to sit on the bench for the first quarter and not get in until the second. Oh, I'm only going to get 20 snaps a game. I, right. I have to keep my body loose and, and and ready to go. I think we could see a great JTS next season. And I, I really agree. don't want to I don't really want to knock JPP I think fully healthy, he can still go out there and help a team and even help the Bucs in a veteran leadership role. But you drafted JTS in the first round for a reason. Yep. Don't hold him back. All right. You, you let him clear fly. the deck.
1: You, let you him fly. Let him go. Agree.
0: Let him do his thing. And I, also, I like having Anthony Nelson as a number three outside linebacker because he improved the ton this year. He had five sacks on the year. That was one he more did. than JTS in less playing time. But yeah, I like JPP just. You got to let Joe try and Shane could do his thing. He's earned it. Yep. Give him the keys. I totally
1: agree. And and I think that that uh, the problem with JPP is he is an alpha. He yes. is an alpha personality. You can't just re-sign the guy and say, well, you're going to be our situational pass rusher. He,
0: he, he doesn't operate that way.
1: He doesn't operate that way. He he believes in himself so much that he wants to be out there as much as, as possible. That's that's his track record, playing 90% of the snaps with the Giants back in the day. Mm-hmm. So And even in his first couple of years in Tampa. So I think that this franchise has to do what's right for JTS, not JPP, and, and move on. Because I think even JPP coming back, even if you wait and sign him in training camp um, and, you know, and, and bring him in on a, on a one-year deal and stuff, it, it's still going to cost you too much money because he's a veteran. And I just think it's time to turn the page. Now the thing is, is uh, we when when it was when it was just when it was just Cam Gill and Anthony Nelson and JTS, there was not enough pass rush. There just wasn't. Uh, when Shaq Barrett was out, when he missed uh, the last couple of games of, of the season due to that knee injury he suffered in the the first, or actually in the second quarter of the Carolina game. You kind of saw the wheels fall off the wagon a little bit in terms yeah. of the outside pass rush. So I like Tryon Nelson and Gill, but I, I do think they need to add another pass rusher to the to the mix this year. And and the problem is is you don't want to go out there and spend a bunch of money on an edge rusher, right? Because then you got to start him. That's almost kind of the situation with Jason Pierre Paul. You've got your first round draft pick invested in Joe Tryon He is the starter, and I think you start him on the left side and then you start Shaq Barrett on the right side. I think that you can flip-flop those guys a little bit to try to change it up and give the, the opposing offenses, uh, offensive lines different looks. But, Matt, I think that Shaq Barrett, back in his 19-and-a-half sack season, mm-hmm. got more of his sacks from the right side going one-on-one against left tackles. And I think that it's too easy to chip on the right side with a tight end, with the back, and, and negate your best pass rusher. And Shaq Barrett is your best pass rusher. So put him in the best situation for those one-on-ones that's going against left tackles, and I'd like to see that happen. And that, that again, is not going to happen with JPP because he prefers the right side. Joe Trionchoenka has the size of 265, the length. He's he's a more physical player than, than Shaq is just due to his size. And I think that you put him at home base and, and say, you're going to become a dominant left defensive end, the left outside linebacker in the scheme, and just let him go there.
0: Yeah, and let's not forget that JTS also had to line up on the inside because, again, they wanted JPP to play, so they lined up JTS on uh, you know on certain pass rush situations. And there's a lot of times that Joe Tryon, Shayinka lined up in pass coverage. I mean, most notably the, the playoff game against the Eagles. Yeah. A lot of times he was a spy on Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, I would love to just see Joe Tryon, Shayinka – just not have to think as much, just yeah. focus on being on the outside. And it's funny too with um with Shaq Barrett because we've asked Todd Bowles about, oh, like why not just line him up on the one side? And Todd Bowles has said, oh, we, we line him up on both sides, and then you look yeah. at the stats, it's like that clearly just was not the case, you know.
1: Yeah, and, um, and I, I think the thing too is, is is Larry Foote even said, I let those guys figure it out, right? And Shaq Barrett is not an alpha personality. JPP no. is J, JPP. Yeah. His personality rules the room. I could and just so, see.
0: I could just see Shaq being Barrett being like, "Yeah, I'm fine, man. Whatever you want yeah. to." <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, you're you're right. So I I think the thing is is too is uh, with Anthony Nelson, and again, when you're drafting Matt, it's not just for this year. You're looking down yes. the road. Anthony Nelson is in a contract here, right? Mm-hmm. And is he a five sack guy? Is he a eight sack guy, right? He's how, how much playing time is he going to get to where we can continue to see the growth? Right? Um, he's not a starting caliber guy, right? He's not Shaq. He's not Agreed. JTS, but um, is he a Carl Nassib type? Can he be a guy that's a six to eight sack guy and really kind of help you out? I think he, as you mentioned, Matt really kind of developed into that role at the end of the season, really kind of came on down the stretch.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see what he can do this year see if he can continue that. Uh, Cause he's got to understand at this point, he knows his role. And even like last year too, he got a lot more playing time because JPP was so hurt. And w- even when he was playing, you want to give him some breaks and Shaq getting hurt at the end. They want to give him some breaks, but if right. JTS is your starting outside linebacker, I see no reason why you really have to take him off the field that much. I mean, he's a second year player. He's extremely young. He doesn't really need uh, any time off. Maybe they'll get Nelson yeah. on the field. In, in opportunities where maybe Shaq needs a, to take a couple reps off, and, and then you can get him in there. Right. And I do just want to say about Cam Gill, too. I yep. love Cam Gill. I did, tried. I tried, you know, Cam the Thrill Gill, tried to get that going. <laughs> didn't really stick. Um, I love his speed. It was awesome that he got the half sack in the Super Bowl. He had a sack and a half this year. But yep. he's clearly, you know, he, he's not big enough. He's got speed. But he's right. he's great in a situation where, oh, hey, I didn't expect him to, on the field and he's right. going against very tired offensive linemen. He's fast and he can get around and, and make some plays, but he's only good for five or ten plays to get that little you know surprise yeah. factor. So I yeah, like I, Cam Gill, he can make the roster, but I don't really see him doing too much.
1: So the thing is if if this team does move on from Jason Pierre Paul, as you and I are kind of suggesting, and we're anticipating that they're going to, especially due to the age, the injury, the salary, then then, then your your quartet is JTS. Shaq, Anthony Nelson, and Cam Gill, and again mm-hmm. we talked about Anthony Nelson being in a contract year, and and you know he he might blow up a little bit to where you you have to let him go in free agency, right? So they need to add another pass rusher to the hopper, and you'd you'd rather yes. you'd, you'd rather draft a guy and develop him for a year or two because it's hard as JTS found out this year. Should have had probably eight sacks, only had four, right? Because mm-hmm. he's got some some things to learn but um one of the guys that really flashed at the senior bowl is Jermaine Johnson from Florida State and the thing
0: is is 1000% uh, he,
1: he would look fantastic in red and pewter the problem is, is is when i was talking to some people in the scouting community about Jermaine Johnson from Florida State cuz this is a player that started off at Georgia didn't didn't really see much of the field because of all of the talent there at Georgia, so he transferred to Florida State where he had an absolutely fantastic season, uh, over uh, 10 sacks, uh, forced fumbles, and was just a relentless player, a very physical player against the run and the pass. I think that with the Senior Bowl, he goes out there and dominates the week of practice. Doesn't even play in the game. Doesn't even. He have didn't
0: to. even. He didn't even practice on Thursday, Scott. Yeah. He was so dominant just yeah. from start to finish in so many different ways—speed, physicality, dominating all over the field—that he was done practicing Wednesday because yeah. he had done enough. He was clearly the best player on the field yep. in the Senior Bowl.
1: That's right, and just as Slave Five Hundred Nine says. He played himself in the top twenty. The Bucks won't get him. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's not going to. Now it's interesting because we had Arnold Epichetti in our uh, our mock draft, uh, not ruling him out, not ruling him in. He he didn't uh, flash as as much as I would hope he would uh, at the Senior Bowl during the week of practice. Didn't play in the game. Uh, Jesse Locketta actually uh, he had, was good. He, he was good in the, game. in the game. I believe he, he did. Uh, and it's crazy because he only had one sack at Penn State in his entire career, one. So, um, go figure. Listen, I will say this about um, uh, about this, the Senior Bowl is sometimes, and it's just my experience, when you look at at the Senior Bowl, you really have to look at who the players uh, th- that they're facing, whether it's it's in practice or in the game. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Like like uh, Minnesota's uh, Boye Mafe is is a, a name who really kind of flashed and and he got a, a what a sack and a half I think in the game. Um, he's beating up against some chump players. That, so.
0: Yeah, the offensive line that they're going against was bad. really bad, and bad. that was the case not just in the game. That was the yeah. case since Tuesday. Right. it was downhill from there it was like
1: zion johnson uh trevor penning and and then everybody else right I mean, yeah Derek canard <laughs> was was okay but i'm just saying that there's only a couple of really really good starting caliber offensive linemen in this game and just a bunch of developmental guys so sometimes like the perry on winfrey's i mean he had a couple sacks in the game it looked good mm-hmm. but who is he getting those sacks against that's what you really got to to, to understand. And when you go back and look at the film, so I, I love Johnson. I think he's a fine player. One of the players that, that really kind of, that I was really curious about at the senior bowl was D'Angelo Malone from uh, Western Kentucky, yep. right? D'Angelo Malone is a player that, that, that I I've kind of been following for the last couple of years. And I'm just was concerned about him because of a slight build, right? He's six, four, yeah. About 235 pounds, uh, 240 pounds, I think is what they listed him at. Uh, he had a phenomenal season. And granted, this is Conference USA, so it's not the you know, Power Five school. But back in 2019, he had uh, 99 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And then he followed that up with six sacks uh, as uh uh, as a, a senior, then then kind of had like a super senior year due to COVID where you put on a little bit more weight because, honestly, he was playing around 225. Uh, but last year he had 94 tackles, 17 and a half sacks. I'm sorry, 17 and a half tackles for loss. Got his sacks uh, back up to eight, broke up four passes, and forced four fumbles. This guy is kind of an energizer bunny, and he uh, he's a wiry player. Reminds me a little bit. Of a, little, of a little bit less talented um, Leonard Floyd coming out of Georgia a couple years okay. ago. Floyd was a first-round pick of the Bears. Didn't really live up to the billing in Chicago, but has become a really good player for the Rams. And uh, I just think he's kind of a bucks fit. He's 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 tenacious. He's got speed. And, Matt, that's what you look for when you're looking for outside linebackers in Tampa Bay. It's speed, speed, speed.
0: Yeah, a thousand percent. And he set the tone early in that game. Again, I, I know we look more into the practice in the game itself, yeah. but I believe he had the first sack in the game. So yeah. he was, um, you know, he's a guy that really sets the tone. I always enjoy watching the the players from the smaller schools because you can always tell a little bit that they want to prove that they can that right. they can stick with the with the big name guys. So, um, yeah, he was definitely a guy that uh, made an impact when he was there. I think made the most of his uh, opportunities. Another guy that I want to watch some more tape on before I really, uh, you know, come to the decision on him, but he made some good plays in practice. He had a sack in the game as well was Ohio state's Tyreek Smith. Mm-hmm. I was watching him on the, the one-on-ones yeah. and I really liked his bend. I, I know John's a big bend guy, and I think that's important for an edge roster. You have the speed and the bend to get to the outside. I'm yeah. curious if he has a couple more moves to go along with that, or if that's just kind of his bread and butter and, if he wins, he wins. And if he doesn't, he doesn't, but he was a guy that just, you know, he, he piqued my interest a little bit when I was out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, for him, it's just about overcoming the lack of production, right? It's just like, yeah, like, uh, like Jesse look like the, the one sack, right. That's, that's kind of damning. Um, but sometimes you relate late bloomer, sometimes you just, it's the circumstance. You don't get the reps or whatever, whatever. Uh, but for Tyreek Smith, you know, he had seven sacks in his Ohio state career and, he really wasn't a full-time starter until this past season, but he had three sacks as a, a sophomore, one sack last year as a junior and then this previous season, three sacks. So he's he's not a big time sack producer. sometimes it's not all about the sacks. He's a bigger guy. Um, but is, is he the, the kind of guy that's gonna bring a lot of heat and juice? Um, you know the, the track record doesn't say that, but that's kind of why you dig into these guys during the scouting process, you you analyze how he did at the senior bowl. You take a look at at what he does and how he tests athletically. So uh, it's, it's a, he's, he's somebody that the two that kind of flashed to me in the game as well. And and, and that's, what's great about these games, the East Swiss shrine and the senior bowl is you, you see players not on their teams and different elements going up against different players. They haven't played against before. And sometimes it makes you have to dig back into the tape and reevaluate things. And yeah. And And it offers different context.
0: Right. And to your point Scott too, I think there's certain players and I'm not really going to name anyone specifically, but I think there's certain guys that um, dominate in practice and then it doesn't really show up in games. And there's guys that for whatever reason, the production's not there in practice, but then when the stakes are higher, Playing on the field on Saturday or Sunday, they just turn it up a notch and go out there and perform to great standards. So it's um, each player is very different. It it just makes this draft process such a such an interesting one because not every recipe is the same every single year and every single interview. You know, you're you're right. A lot of fun.
1: The good news for the Buccaneers, Matt, is is they're they're in pretty good hands. They've they've got to get a new inside linebackers coach. We believe it might be James Betcher. We'll we'll see how all that pans out. With uh, with Mike Caldwell going to Jacksonville Jaguars, Devin White's coming off that Pro Bowl season. Levante <laughs> David returns, so you've got starters there at inside linebackers. They're going to have to find uh, either uh, someone to replace Kevin Minter or or maybe challenge Minter for that number three linebacker position in camp. And, uh, and then the outside linebacker position, the biggest question mark is, did they re-sign Jason Pierre-Paul? I don't think anybody in the Pew Report staff thinks that's going to happen, uh, nor ha- are we endorsing the move that it should. I love Jason Pierre-Paul. He's been an absolute warrior. At some point in time, though, it's it's time to move on. And, and I've, I've come to that conclusion with the Warren Saps and the Derek Brookses and the John Lynches mm-hmm. way back in the day. And I think it's time for Jason Pierre-Paul you know to uh, you know to to call it a day, and and, and I think Matt, you bring up a, a good point. You've got to clear the deck for JTS to develop, and that doesn't really happen if Jason Pierre-Paul returns to Tampa.
0: I want to see Jason Pierre-Paul playing football. I just want to see it in another uniform. That's yeah, well said.
1: Yep. Yeah, but they, they have Shaq Barrett. They've got Anthony Nelson coming back for his contract year. Cam Gill developing. I think made some strides this year, uh, but I, I suspect we're going to see a linebacker get drafted, whether it's an inside linebacker or outside linebacker. I think that that's, that's safe to say. I think they'll probably address that position more so in the draft than free agency. uh, Because again, they they like to get these younger guys in because those are the type of bodies that help out in special teams. We even saw Joe try and play a lot of special teams this year, covering kicks and punts.
0: Oh, sorry. You cut out there for a second. So I I didn't didn't hear it. I was, I was Sorry, just saying,
1: uh, the, the, these guys with the body types, they help out in special teams, right? So yes, the, they do. That's, uh, uh, that's why I think you'll see the Bucs draft an inside linebacker or an outside linebacker this year to continue to help on on punt and kick coverage.
0: That was one of the big things that Bruce Aaron spoke about almost right away when Joe Tryon-Shawinka uh, got drafted. It was, yes, he's a good pass rusher, he's a physical specimen, but... He loves playing football. And that's actually, you and I spoke to Jimmy Lake when he was on the Peter Report podcast. Yep. And he said he's a guy that loves football. And Bruce Aarons was speaking about that, um, that yeah, he, he would be great on special teams. So you saw him play that this year. He's a guy that could do it all. And Scott, uh, there's another, well, it's one guy that owns this place. But another place that can do it all is uh, Pinchasers, one of our proud sponsors of the Peter Report podcast. There it is, uh, the logo right there. Pin Chasers, we just finished up our Peter Report Bowling League back in December. It seems like a while now. Um, There will be another league coming up in the spring, but this is a great place to go and bring your family, bring your friends. It's fun for a a night out with a group of people. It'd be great to go on a day like today where it's cloudy and and rainy, but uh, you got a full experience when you're at Pin Chasers. There are events literally every single night. you got all-you-can-eat pizza on Tuesdays. you got all-you-can-bowl on Thursdays with $1.00. Miller Lights. I mean, the football season's winding down, so there's a lot of other fun events, and basketball stinks right now. The Olympics are on, so you can go have some Miller Lights, go the watch. It's so good, Matt. What's up? The food is so good. Yes, and that's the best part. What I I said basketball stinks, not the food. The food is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. and you can have breakfast food. You can have it at any time. Um, the waiters and waitresses, they bring it right to your lane where you're bowling, so you don't have to worry about getting up and going over a billion different times so uh, make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a future party it's a very fun night out with friends and family and the owner anthony is a huge bucks fan so you're supporting right. a, a fellow buccaneers fan
1: anthony peroni great uh loyal uh, Peter report reader for gosh years and years and years very long a, time advertising partner with us for years we love pinchasers uh, I might even uh, uh, take the kids over to the one here in Zephyr Hills. I live t- closer to that yes, one. Yes,
0: multiple locations. Yeah. So that's yep. a beauty. Zephyr up. Hills, and two in Tampa.
1: No doubt about it. Matt, really good stuff today talking linebackers. Uh, the fun continues tomorrow, folks, when John Ledyard returns. He and I will be talking about Bucks cornerbacks. And then, Matt, you might be back on Thursday to talk safeties I will. with John. So we're going to get all the defensive uh, positions out of the way this week as we continue our look at the – the breakdowns for the the Bucks and their offseason needs, and and a uh, couple of names that we think to keep an eye on as as this draft process rolls on. Right, we've got the combine coming up next, then the Pro Days. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun off season, and you got free agency in there too. Yep. So uh, buckle up, folks! It's going to be a busy off season. This roster is not not anywhere close to being done. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow on the Pewter Report podcast at 4 o'clock Eastern. So for Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds uh, saying thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on
0: the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Let's get some sunshine Sunshine back in Tampa soon. <laughs> no <Out>. kidding, man. <laughs>